Um, but as I was praying about what I wanted to talk to you guys about, one of the most difficult things about this season, and just to be honest with you, it's many of you have attended church before. Raise your hand if you've attended a church before, right? You've attended a church before. You've seen what an established church does. And you, you go in, some people hopefully will greet you at the door or in the parking lot. They'll help you get your kids checked in. Then you'll go in, you'll sit down, hopefully in a non-awkward way. And then you'll start worshiping. You might stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Then you'll hopefully enjoy the worship. You'll hear a sermon. At the end of it, they're going to invite you to trust in Jesus. And then you're going to either join that church eventually or go check out a new church, meet some people, any number of things that you'll do at an established church. We're not an established church. And so we're inviting people to join a team that will eventually become an established church. It's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about launching a church. And it takes a whole different mindset. Because many of us, we, I want to be nice about it. And if I say something that steps on your toes, no, I did not intend to be rude or make you feel bad. I love all of you already. I've texted you enough for you to know that, right? <laughs> no one laughed. I thought that would be funny. They don't want me texting them as much as I've been. I'll, I'll give you a break, maybe. But I love you already. So anything that I say, I don't want you to take it as if I'm mad at you, negative toward you, or think that your mindset is bad. Um, but I do need to address certain mindsets so that I can take you to where I believe God needs us to be so that we can launch this church effectively. And many of us, when we went to the established church, we built up a culture of consumption where church was more about what we get out of it than what God's trying to do through us. The church has always been meant as more of a transport vessel than a destination vessel. And we treat churches a lot of times like a cruise ship. I hope it's got coffee. I hope it's got this. I, I hope everything is available there and the lighting is not fluorescent, but it's super appealing and the aesthetic is dope, right? That's, that's what we've become accustomed to wanting. But no, the church fundamentally, it's not a cruise ship. It's a transport vessel. Our job as a church is to help people who don't know Jesus get into a relationship with Jesus. That's why we're starting this church. You want to help people find peace and develop purpose by putting Jesus at the center of their lives and revolving everything around him. And I've told you guys all of this before, but we have to shift fundamentally our mindset from consumption to contribution. We've got to be contributors, not consumers. And I, I'm willing to teach you what that looks like. But as we talk through that, some of you, if you're used to going and attending, you're going to feel a little bit of tension, not from me, but from the activity of launching this church, because it's going to take something of you to make it happen. Just like this is very small, right? But I asked you to put together a, a paper airplane. How many of you thought you were going to be really great at making a paper airplane? There's a couple of you. And that's embarrassing because there's only one good one. So what's <laughs> it? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, how many of you knew it was going to be terrible? Right? And we all start in one of those two places or somewhere in between it. We think that we can contribute already. And that's great. You're confident maybe in what God's called you to do or what someone said that you were good at doing. You're confident. And so you're coming in here from that perspective. It's like, man, I really have a lot to offer. And God's going to reveal to you what that looks like. And we're going to talk about it. And others of you, you're coming in here you feel like God's called you to a relationship with him, 
and you didn't really feel that connection with him at a more established church, and you're coming here just seeking God out to see, man, what do you have for me? And you're thinking, I don't have anything to offer. But you do. You do. God created you. He knows every hair on your head. He established you from before your mother even thought about you or knew you were going to be a thing. He knew you and he had a plan and purpose for you that was bigger than you could have ever expected. And so what he's going to invite you to do, what I'm going to invite you to do, because I don't know it like he does. I'm going to invite you to become more aware of what God's calling on your life is. And I'm going to teach you and other people here, we're going to teach you. And so at the end of this, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make another paper airplane, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And trust me, like, I'm not good at it, but there's a way that we can become more accustomed and aware of what God's called us to do. And we can do it confidently, even when we don't feel like it. But as I take you there, I always want to use the Bible. One of our values as a church is we take God's word and put it in our world. And I don't mean just we evangelize and go outreach and tell everybody about Jesus, which we will do. <laughs> what I mean is in even very small portions of our day, we're applying what God's word says as we talk to our kids, as we talk to our spouse, as we interact with people that maybe we're not comfortable with, as we are employees, as we're employers. We take every aspect of our lives and say, what does God's word say about this? And so I wanna take us to Joshua chapter three. Uh, this is one of those things everybody gets nervous about sometimes. I don't know where to go in the Bible. If you have your phone, I'd encourage you, open up your Bible app. It's in, it's the sixth book in the, sixth book in the Bible. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize. I am not perfect. But yes, yeah, sixth book in the Bible. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter three. And I think this text is really helpful. Because what's happening is God is going to do a work. How many of you believe that God's going to do a work in you as you follow him? Amen, somebody? Amen. God's going to do a work in you as you follow him. And I believe, and I hope to convince you all to believe, that God's going to do a work at Orbit Church as we come together with a contribution mindset and start trying to help other people do the same thing that we're stepping into, to revolve everything in their lives around Jesus. I think God's going to do a big work, not just in Buckeye, but in the West Valley. I've talked to other pastors in the West Valley, and I'm seeing that what was formerly almost dead in a lot of ways, spiritually, is starting to see new life as people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. As I was at my friend Nolan's church last week called the Garden Church, and he had 500 people at his preview weekend. What? That's crazy. And we attend the gathering on the regular, and they're seeing God just bust open floodgates. I'm good friends with Aaron Byram over at Christ Church of the Valley, and they're seeing over 3,000 people on the weekend. Yet someone told me when I first got here, they said, Buckeye is a church planting graveyard. Maybe it was, but I'm believing God's going to do a big work. I, this is a truth I want you to fundamentally believe about yourself and about this work and about whatever God calls you to put your hand to. Even when you read the Bible, you don't expect anything out of it. God's going to do a work. You need to tell yourself this first point that I have here that you can look at, you can circle, you can memorize. God wants to do something. And with Joshua chapter three, God wanted to do something. Now, for those of you who don't know the context, what happened is you've all, you've all heard this story. Maybe you watched Prince of Egypt when you were younger and God sent the little baby, Moses, to redeem the people of Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. There's this whole story in Exodus that you see about it. And then Moses leads them out on dry ground through the Red Sea 
into the wilderness. And they spend about 40 years in the wilderness on this place called the Sinai Peninsula. And they did this because they were in sin, but I'm not going to give you all the details to that. At the end of that 40 years, Moses dies as the Israelites are starting to do some battles with the different ites, right? Jebusites and uh, like people in Jericho, all these other ites that you might see. Uh, And they're doing battle. Moses ends up dying and he's not able to go into the promised land. And the person who takes over from him is this man named Joshua. What you need to know about Joshua is that when he was much younger, 40 years younger, he was sent into and around the land, the promised land of Israel to look around along with 11 other spies to see what God might do and how God might bring them in. And there were 12 people that came back. 10 of them said that the people in the land were too big for us to battle. The people in the land were giants and we were as grasshoppers in their sight. But there were two people, Joshua and Caleb, who had a different story to tell. They said, they're big, but we can take them because we've got God on our side. But they were stuck for 40 years because of the disobedience of 10. But that's Joshua. And Joshua has handed over the reins to the kingdom of, or to the Israelite people group at the time. They weren't really a kingdom at that point. They were just hanging out in the wilderness. And they go from the wilderness to a place called Shittim. I gotta be careful saying that word, Shittim. <laughs> yeah, right. So in the first couple of chapters in Joshua, that's loud. This is our first time ever here. I'm learning that this is super loud right now as we speak. But in the first couple of chapters of Joshua, Joshua takes over and he sends a couple people into the land or the promised land, which will become the land of Israel to scope some things out. This is where you see the story of Rahab. If you don't know that story, you should look it up. And then they come back and they report to Joshua what they found. And they report back with, needless to say, more confidence than they did 40 years before. And so they're preparing to cross this river called the Jordan River, and they're going to walk through it or figure out how to get through it. And they're going to go into the land of Israel, and they're going to start fighting with all of the ites that live in the promised land. And that's a big task. But in Joshua chapter one, God revealed to Joshua that he was going to do something, that he was going to do something big through his people. And then it was up to Joshua to convince that group of people who had proven themselves obstinate to be willing to cross a big river, to go into a land and start battling a bunch of people after the guy that brought him out of Egypt has died. And the reason I bring in that story is because I want you to know that God wants to do something, but we have to facilitate in a lot of ways that move of God. So if my first point is God wants to do something, the second point is you have to prepare for it. This is where Joshua chapter three really struck me as interesting. Now, before you get bored, and I read in a second, because some of this might seem very surgical and specific and unhelpful, I want you to know that it's specific on purpose. And I chose this passage because of the specifics of this text. Because a lot of us know that God wants to do something, but we don't recognize our own role in what he wants to do. And because we don't recognize our role, how much grit it's gonna take to get there, how much contribution and investment it might take from me. Oh, isn't that loud enough? I'll I'll eat this mic now. Can you hear me better now? Is this better? Cool, all right. One second, gotta get back on my thought process. All right, yeah. Because we don't recognize our contribution need, we scale back 
And because it wasn't easy, we miss out on the calling of God on our life. And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand on that because I can think of plenty of examples on my own where I wanted God to do something, but I wanted to sit idly by. I'll tell you something funny though. Our following God is often like our trying to diet and exercise. Y'all get the comparison? Yeah, we see that episode. We, we saw the shake weight and we were like, that'll help me get biceps. We saw the Bowflex back in the day and we thought that's gonna get me in shape. We saw the diet pills or we started looking into the different vitamins and thought B12 was automatically gonna shake off some of our weight. You look at the creatine and you start doing energy drinks. It's so funny to see people who don't work out at all. They're just down in energy drinks because they think it's gonna help them, right? Our following God often is a lot like that. We think it's gonna be easy and we want the results, but we've not calculated the cost of what we're asking for. Now I asked you, how many of you think God's gonna do a big work? How many of you want God to do a big work? If you want that, it's gonna take work from us and you've gotta prepare for it. So here's what the passage says. It says in verse one, then Joshua rose early in the morning and he, and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. I had a joke earlier because Shittim's a funny word. You gotta say it really carefully. It's like often uh, right before God brings you into the promise, it might be a place like Shittim, a pretty Shittim place. <laughs> that's, that's not funny. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really not inappropriate, but it was clever in my mind. It didn't work out. Uh, Shittim and came to the Jordan and they lodged there before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people. Before I say what the command was, I need you to get the picture. They have been in the wilderness for 40 years. They've had a couple of battles. Their main dude, Moses, has died. They're trying to understand Joshua and what God's gonna do through him. They go to this place called Shittim and then they go right next to the river. And then it says, like they're looking at this river. They know what it means to be by the river. At some point, we're gonna cross it. And it says, how many days? did they go through the camp and make preparations? Three, they're sitting there, they're ready, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think this launch team, that we're kind of in that three day period. And I say that because I have a lot of church plant friends who they get a couple months into this launch team process and everybody comes to them and they're like, can we just launch already? We got 60 people. I've been to churches smaller than this room right here right? Can't we just launch already? And what I want to tell you is we're in that three-day period. We're in that period where God is trying to do something in us before he does something through us in a significant way. And God had to prepare them for the crossing that he was going to perform for them. And so then here's what it says. It says, at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set, up, set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you, listen to this detail, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And for years I would read this and I'm like, I'm skipping over this part. This is, I'm gonna get to the part where they crossed it and then the wall formed around them and they got to cross on dry ground and all the other people were scared of them. And then they did Jericho a couple days later. That's what I wanted to get to. I'm looking at the 2000 cubits today and this week and I'm thinking like, 
It says by measure. Like, did they have someone doing this, gauging how far? Was there a Levitical priest who went and measured the day before and really scaled the walk from the tents to the river to make sure that their distance was proper? They had to be this far from it. I think there's one level where God wanted to protect them. They didn't want anyone other than the priest to get close to the ark of God. That's a whole other topic. But I think what it says here is also helpful. If you are too far or too close to it, or too far in front of it, then you're going to miss the perspective you need in order to follow it correctly. And so what I want to encourage all of you to keep in mind, this is not just for this, this is for your relationship with God. God is doing something ahead of you. The Bible talks about Jesus and says he's one who goes before us. He's a pioneer, a forerunner of faith, that he did what was necessary so that we could all be sons and daughters of God. He went before us. And so as we follow him, we need to have an adequate perspective that one, he's doing something, that two, I need to pay close attention to what he's doing. You have to prepare for these things. But here's where it continues. He says in verse five, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, more instructions, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will also be with you, which, can I be honest with you for a second? I feel a lot like Joshua. Sorry, I'm, I'm eat it again. It tells us here that Joshua had not been exalted by God in front of the people of Israel, yet he's got a responsibility to lead them in a direction. But they all trusted Moses. He hadn't been exalted yet. For me as a church planner, I just want to be honest with you. There's a lot of things I don't know. Can I be honest? I've never done this before. I've never lived in Buckeye before. I've never lived in Phoenix before. I've not planted a church before. And in a lot of ways, I feel like Joshua might have felt where I'm trying to figure this out. God's given me a vision for this area, yet I don't know what he's fully going to do. But that's what Joshua couldn't have done it alone. Joshua is going to be in this place where God uses him, um, but he's really going to use the people of Israel. Joshua is just the vessel through which he's communicating the vision. That's, that's all I am. I believe at least, I think, I think the Lord wants to communicate a vision to you guys and Buckeye through me and through the other people that are going to be in leadership. But we've not done anything yet. Now, that being said, I mean, if you look here, this is our second launch team meeting. I'm feeling really good about where we are. I believe God's going to do a work, but I haven't fully figured it out. Like this week, uh, someone was encouraging me earlier because I was honest with them about kind of my feelings in some of this. I woke up the other morning, I was like, what? I have a plan of what to do with everybody, but everybody is on a different pathway in a lot of ways. So, so God, how do I interact with people who, who need to trust in you still? How do I interact with people who just trusted in you? How do I interact with people who are ready for the next big thing in their spiritual walk and they trusted in you a long time ago? How do I bring them all to the same place and start moving them in the direction you want them to be in. I think it's very similar to this. 
And Joshua, this is just how I feel like Joshua. And Joshua is leading them by giving instruction that he's received from God. But I bet some of it is probably just like, I think this is what God wants. And I always say this, know this. If I say this, it means I don't really know, but I believe it really strongly. It's either of God or it's indigestion, upset stomach. It's one of the two. It could be the dumbest thing that you've ever heard in your life and not of God at all. Or it could be something directly from God. And that's something that I'll say to you if I'm not totally sure. But if we're leaning in that direction, I don't know. Y'all, y'all pray for me as we step into this. I digress too much. Joshua's leading them in a direction and we have to prepare for that. He's giving them specific instructions. And for many of you, you're going to have specific instructions over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a conversation, but we're going to invite all of you to be on our launch team and to start operating as a launch team member would with a contribution mindset. And what that looks like is attending regularly, contributing financially, telling others about what God's called us to do as a church, and serving. Now the serving one, and the giving one especially, is very difficult for us to do sometimes. But I wanna encourage you, this is one of the things that God gives us in his word that will help us know him at a deeper level. If you attend, I believe you're gonna hear God's word. If you contribute financially, I believe God's gonna bless you abundantly beyond what you could have asked or imagined. Malachi tells us this, and I've seen it, right Hannah? In my own life. If you tell others about what God's doing, picture what could happen. And I see some people in here, you've already invited someone and they're here tonight, right? You tell them or invite them nicely, tactfully to come to a launch team or to a social or to church when we're established. They show up and they find peace for the first time. And it started with your invitation. Picture the revelation God's going to give you because of your obedience and telling others. And I can tell you, you're going to see God work and manifest himself mightily as you serve as well. And he gives them these instructions. And here's what he says in verse 8. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Isn't that interesting? Just stand still, walk into the middle of it, stand still. He says, verse nine, then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, Hittite, Hivite, Perizzite, Girgashite, Amorite, Jebusite, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then take for yourselves 12 men of the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, that the Lord of all the earth rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. And then the rest of the passage is showing that they did it. Joshua tells them what's gonna happen. They're obedient to it. And then God does that with them. And so here's my third point. You gotta, you gotta recognize God wants to do something. You have to prepare for it. And point number three, and this might be the most practical for each of you. I wanna encourage you to do three things. Be patient. Now, I know this applies personally. It applies to this team. And it applies to very many things in your life that you're expecting from God. Be patient. Because as you're patient, these guys have waited 40 years. Some of these kids had never seen God do anything significant because they were born during that time in the wilderness and they're hoping that God's gonna do something. Be patient, be attentive. 
be attentive. That means be surgical sometimes, right? Like, what does it look like for you to wake up tomorrow morning and think, God, how do you want me to walk today? God, I want to be attentive to your commands. So I'm going to read your word today. I want to know more about what you want to do in me. So I'm going to ask you regularly today. Be patient because he wants to do a work. Be attentive because if you're not attentive, if you don't listen to the instruction, not from me, I want to be clear. If you don't listen to the instruction of the Lord, you, you might miss out on some of the things he's trying to use you to do. And the third thing, be obedient. Because in the end, all the patience, all the instruction, all their attentiveness wouldn't have mattered if they didn't end up taking the steps necessary to get into it. I told one person who joined our launch team, uh, it was the first person who joined our launch team. They texted me and they said, hey, I feel like God's called me to join the team. Now, I didn't necessarily ask this person to join the team. They just texted me. They were reading the Bible and God said to them, I don't know how he said it, it wasn't audible. He was just reading it and it was an impression from God. And they texted me and said, I feel called to join the team. The vast majority of you are here today because you signed and said, I think based on an impression from God that you were called to join this team. What I told this person is the same thing I'll tell you now, is if God called you to it, then he did it on purpose. And so obedience looks like taking the step, even when it gets busy, even when life gets hard, even, I don't know, when it's inconvenient. Obedience looks like God called me to do this. And even though it's a really deep river and I'm really confused about this entire scenario, I'm going to step into it trusting that at the end of it, God's going to reveal what he intended to reveal to me. And for some of you, God's going to reveal it at the end of this launch team or in the middle of it. And he's going to reveal to you something and you got it and you might feel established and led to go somewhere else. And others of you, you're going to continue in this pursuit because God called you to it. And what he wants to do in you and through you is so big and uh, crazy that you can't quite comprehend it yet. But once you start getting a taste of it, you're not going to quit. You're not going to stop and you're not going to bail. But I feel like in my spirit, this is how I stop sermons, by the way, is when I feel like I've talked too much. I think that's the spirit telling me to shut up and be done. I say all of that so that you would be inspired not just to join this team or stay on this team, but to end your walk with God. It, like, it's the same pursuit. Recognize God wants to do something. Continue to prepare for what God wants to do in you and through you. And in the process of waiting for him to reveal the promise, be patient, pay attention, and be obedient to the little and big steps he calls you to.